Hindsight is 2020. Bye-bye <laughs> and welcome to 2021. Happy New Year, Bridgeway. So glad that you are here. He is our Emmanuel. You know, last Sunday, we learned that God is our security. He's our sufficiency and he's our company. Then on Christmas Eve, we learned the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace is our comfort, our capacity, our compassionate commander and our calm. And then last week, Pastor Gary Coiro and our God Stories service actually talked to three people who had been baptized. Congratulations, Olivia and RG. And we're just so glad that both of you were baptized. And then to see Joshua as well. How awesome is that? And then he talked to us about the one thing, the one thing that we need to focus on in the new year. Well, happy new year. God with us is what we've been talking about. And today I'm going to take us to a place where we can now move forward. Is there anybody excited about moving forward in 2021? I know I am. Anybody looking forward to saying goodbye to 2020 and hello to 2021 with a new sense of hope and expectancy and, and a new resolve? Well, if you're looking to look forward, you've come to the right place. I'm so glad you're here because New Year's give us an idea of how we can have a, a new start. Maybe something that we didn't do in 2020 or something that we didn't accomplish. With the new year, you have an opportunity to have a new start. And what I wanna do in today's message is I wanna talk to you about three truths about God that you can hold on to in the new. Three truths about God that you can hold on to in the new year and one promise. Now, at the end of the message, I am going to give you the update. In fact, I'm going to have uh, Frank Eastam, our COO, join me to talk about the future fitting of our Columbia campus and the special offering we took to find out how much money came in and can we move forward or not. I know I only gave you about five weeks to pray about it and to give. So we'll just have to see what God has done and how we can move forward. But one thing I can say, and that is this. We're going to be all right. Maybe you can just turn to somebody right there at your house and just say, we're going to be all right. Or if you're by yourself, just say it out loud. We're going to be all right. Not all right, all right. That much I can tell you. Hey, let's bow for a short word of prayer and get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the new year. We thank you for this first Sunday of the year. We thank you for bringing us from 2020. Yes, it's hindsight, but Lord, give us vision for the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Together, everyone said, amen and amen. Three truths about God that you can hold on to in the new year and one promise. Now, in order to find this with me, you've got to get your scriptures out. I'm going to the book of Isaiah. Now, listen, I know that you can pull your scriptures out on your phone or you can just watch them on the bottom third of the screen. And if that's you, that's your jam, do it. But if you have a Bible, I want you to pull it out because I want you to walk with me uh, through these passages. I want you to have a pen. I want you to have a notebook. You can highlight, you can circle, but this is the time. And here's the cool thing. You can push pause and you can go get it, but we actually have the word of God. And I want you to be able to see what I see because I think God has a word for you here. If not, just pay good attention. Come 
come back and watch it again. But there are three truths, three truths that we can hold on to in the new year. We're going to find it in a passage that some of you may be familiar with. Others of you, this may be the first time. But go with me now to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. And we're going to pick it up at verse 14. And we're going to pretty much read the whole chapter, but I'm going to walk you through some things. But let's just read verses 14 through 17. Here it is, the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians and the ships in which they took pride. In other words, the people that were coming against you, I'm going to go down and take care of them, so don't you even worry about it, okay? So your past is over, your future is coming. It goes on to say in verse 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator and your King. This is what the Lord says, He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and the reinforcements together. And they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Now where I want you to pick up three words that are popping out of this passage in Isaiah 43. And you can again circle these three words because they really represent three truths about God. In verse 14, it says, This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. God is your Redeemer. God is the Redeemer. You can find that in verse 14. And then when you go down to verse 15, it says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your King. God is your Redeemer. God is your creator. God is your King. Notice these three words because they give us three truths about God. He's our Redeemer. He's our creator. He's our king. Let's look at them one at a time. The redeemer tells us that God will make up for whatever is lost. The creator, God is the one who made everything in the first place. And king, God is large and in charge, and he has the final word. But first of all, God is our redeemer. The text is telling us that the Holy One of Israel is saying to his people, I am the redeemer. Let me ask you, have you lost anything over the last year? You see, a redeemer makes up for that which is lost. Have you lost anything? Has anybody lost a job? God is the redeemer. Has anybody lost income? God is the redeemer. Has anyone lost friendships, opportunities, freedom? God is the redeemer. Has anyone lost health? Loved ones, God is the redeemer. Has anyone lost fellowship, peace, a sense of purpose? God is the redeemer. God is saying, I can make up for whatever it is that you've lost. I can fill your heart again with joy and peace. I can fill your mind again with a sense of sound judgment. I can make up for the hurt and the pain. I can make your home a place of purpose and love. I can give you new fulfillment in work. I can give you a new career and a new line of work that you've never even had before. God is our redeemer. 
There are a couple of New Testament passages that show us that Jesus Christ is our Redeemer as well. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, you can write this down. It says this, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and listen, redemption. Paul writes about this in Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 as well. It says, Christ redeemed us. Don't you love that? Christ redeemed us from what? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So he redeemed us in order that the blessings of Abraham would come to us. Do you know how many generations that had to go through in order for him to, when he redeemed us, all the blessings of Abraham would travel all the way to the people in the church of uh, the Galatian area, all the way to us in 2021. God is our redeemer. Jesus Christ is our redeemer. But there's a difference between a redeemer and a replacement. God is not replacing, God is redeeming. And there's a difference because when I redeem something, I'm taking what was lost and I'm, I'm, I'm fixing it up. I'm making it right. I'm, I'm making it better. I'm bringing correction to it. I'm going to give you more uh, than what you had before. Replacement is something else. I discard that and give you something new. Now, God is about giving us the new. There's no doubt about it. But God is also telling us that I can redeem the old. I can take what was broken. I can fix it and make it better than it was. I can buy something back that was damaged and make it new again. God is saying that I can redeem whatever it is you went through in 2020. When you get to 2021, look forward because you are serving a redeeming God. Anybody happy about the fact that we're serving a redeeming God? Thank God you you didn't replace me, you redeemed me. Thank God uh, you didn't just replace us human beings with other beings. He could have said, you know what, I'm done with the human experience. I'm going to now make some aliens. He probably has some somewhere I don't know about in Jupiter. But my whole point is this, God is not replacing you, he's redeeming you. He's buying you back, cleaning you up, fixing you up, washing all the sin and making you better. See, you can't replace a spouse. You can't replace a child. You can't replace a friend. But God can redeem what is lost. He can give you that safety and that security you once felt, that peace and that joy you once had. God's our redeemer. Jesus is your redeemer. Place your trust in him right now and let him redeem you. Let him wash away all that guilt and shame inside of you. If you don't know Jesus Christ right now as your Lord and Redeemer, how about you pause right now and ask him? Say, dear Jesus, be my, be my Redeemer. Forgive me, cleanse me, and make me new. You pray that prayer with an honest heart, God says he will redeem you. That's one truth that you can hold on to in 2021, that you serve a redeeming God. Here's a second one, that God is The creator, he says it in verse 14. Remember that? Pick up your Bible again and look at verse 14. It says, I am the Lord, your holy uh, one, Israel's creator, your king. He is our creator. The holy one of Israel is saying to his people, I am Israel's creator. Not only can I make up for what was lost, but I made it from the beginning. (laughs) 
In other words, yes, I can redeem it. But the reason I can redeem it is because I created it. I knew what I created you for when I created you. Yeah, you screwed it up, (laughs) but I know the purpose for which I created you and formed you. So, of course, I can not only fix you, I can put you back into the original state that I had originally purposed for you. God is saying in 2021 that, listen, not only will I redeem what was lost in the last year, but I created you many, many years ago when you were born in your mother's womb. So I know exactly what I'm doing. In fact, there's nobody else that can fix you up like I can fix you up because I'm the one that created it. You ever go to a car dealer and, and they say, yeah, yeah, I can work on cars, but not really that one. You need to take that one to the dealer. Why? Because they're the ones that actually manufactured it. They know that car better. Yes, you can have a mechanic that knows how to tinkle around, but the ones that actually created it know exactly the way it was put together. And God is saying, look, you let people mess around with you all day long. At the end of the day, I'm the one that created you. Not that counselors aren't important, not that pastors aren't important, not that churches aren't important, not that friends and small groups aren't important, but don't get it twisted. None of them created you. (laughs) So the one who originally created you is the one who knows exactly how to put you back together again. And back in this passage, will you walk through a couple of verses to see the context? When you open up the chapter in Isaiah 43, notice words like created and formed. For instance, in verse one, what does it say? But now this is what the Lord says. He created you. I like that. Oh, Jacob, he formed you. I like that. Oh, Israel, do you see those two words? He created you. He formed you. Skip down to verse seven. What does verse seven say? Everyone who is called by my name, whom I look, created for my glory, whom I what? Formed and what? Made. Did you see it? In verse one, created, formed. Verse seven, created, formed, made. Now, when you go to the next chapter in the very first two verses, look at verse two. So Isaiah 44, verse 2. Go there, just move your finger all the way to it, and listen to what it says in verse 2. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. He made you and formed you in the womb. So we see that God is a creator God. We've noticed three or four verses that tell us this. In verse 1, he created and formed us. In verse 7, he created, formed, and made us. In 44, 2, he made us and formed us in our mother's womb. No one knows you like God knows you. He created you. So you might be asking the question, why does this matter? Well, not only can God make up for what you lost, but God made you from the beginning. And if he did it before, he can do it again. How can I know I can redeem your marriage, God might say, because I'm the one that created marriage. How do you know I can redeem your health? Because I'm the God that created your body. How do you know that I can redeem your peace? Because I'm the one that created peace in the first place. I'm your redeemer. I'm also your creator. Maybe you ought to pause and pray and even say to God right now, God, would you not just be my redeemer? But God, if you created me, then would you reveal to me what my purpose is? God, I invite you to show me me. So what have we learned so far? I said there are three truths, three truths that we can hold on to in the new year. That God is our redeemer. God is our creator. 
And then back in verse 14, you're in Isaiah chapter 43, back in verse 14, he goes on to say, not only am I Israel's creator, but then he says, check out the passage. Let me take you back to it. So you have it right in front of you. You get the verse 15. I am the Lord, your holy one, uh, uh, your holy one, Israel's creator. And here it is, your king. So in verse 14, your redeemer. In verse 15, creator and king. Here is the third and final truth you can hold on to in the new year. Not only is God my redeemer, he'll make up for what I've lost. And my creator, he, he made me in the first place. But God is king. The Holy One of Israel is saying in verse 15 that he is their king. I am your king. Listen, don't rush by this because this is a truth that if you're going to move forward, in 2021, you've got to understand that yes, he redeems us because he loves us. And yes, he created us and formed us with the very fingerprints of God from the dirt and the woman from the rib. Got it, understand it. He didn't create anything else in creation with his own hands. He spoke everything into creation until he got to humankind. And when he got to humankind, he said, I got to go down for this one. And he touches the dirt and he actually puts the very fingerprints of God on your very soul and psyche. I got that. So God, I know that I'm yours. You, I have the very fingerprints of God on me. But God wants you to know something. Just because I can redeem you and just because I created you, don't get it twisted. I still have the last word. I'm king. <laughs> don't get it twisted. Life is not about you. It's about me. The king is large and in charge and he has the final word. Don't get it twisted. I make the calls to suit my will not yours. I created you for me, not for you. I'm the sovereign of the universe. I am the king and you are not. <laughs> you are subject to me. I'm not subject to you. Yes, I'm loving and merciful and forgiving, but king I am. I am the king of kings. I am the Lord of lords. I am like no other. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. I am the Elohim and the Elion and the, and the El Shaddai. I am that I am. Don't get it twisted. Is God loving? Yes. Is God our creator? Yes. Are the very fingerprints of God on us? Yes. But God is telling us that I am who I am. I am king. And he goes on to tell us who we are. And this is why it's important not only to know who God is, but to know who we are. And he tells us in verse 10, go back to your Bibles, Isaiah 43. Check out verse 10. Listen to what it says. God says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed nor will there be one after. God was never formed. Before him, no one ever was. And he says in verse 10, you are my witnesses and you are my servants. See, it's important to know who God is. I'm king. I am that I am. I'm the first and the last. There was no one formed before me. There'll be no one formed after me. I am God. So it's important to know who he is, but it's important to know who we are. And he tells us, I chose you to be my witnesses. Listen to what it says in verse 10. You are my witnesses, declare the Lord, 
and my servant who I have chosen. So we are God's chosen witnesses. We are God's chosen servants, the almighty creator. Do I have any witnesses in the house? Do I have any servants in the house? No, seriously, I mean in the house, because there ain't nobody up in here, up in here. But any witnesses in that house, in that car, in that bedroom? Let me ask you like this. Is being God's witness and servant enough for you? See, sometimes we have to be reminded who God is. And what happens, we get all up in ourselves. We get all up in our own feelings and our own ambitions. And we forget that, listen, yeah, I I worship you as redeemer and creator. But don't forget, he's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. He's the great I am. And he says, you are my witnesses. You are my chosen servants. Is being a chosen witness of God and a chosen servant of God enough for you? It wasn't enough for Lucifer. Lucifer wanted to be more. He wanted to be more like God and he wanted to take God's position. And what happens is we align ourselves with idol worship and we align ourselves with Lucifer because we are not content being who God created us to be. And so we want to be like God. We want to be God. And sometimes we want to be our own gods. And, And so we don't worship him as king anymore. We get it all twisted. We think it's about us. And he's trying to remind the people of Israel, listen, sometimes you've got to be reminded that I'm the king and you're not. Listen, don't be mad at God because he's being himself. He's king. And when things happen in your life that you don't agree with and that you don't like, just like me as a human being, it doesn't mean that I like it, but sometimes I have to have my pity party. Sometimes I have to be mad for a minute, but then I have to say, you know what? It's a king thing, not a me thing. And that's how you pull yourself out of grief sometimes. That's how you pull yourself out of mourning sometimes. That's how you pull yourself out of a sad, sorrowful, and sick situation when you remember that he is king and you are his chosen witnesses, his chosen servants. So how can I be a witness for Christ in the midst of what I'm going through? How can I be a witness for Christ in the midst of a political election? How can I be a witness for Christ in the midst of a pandemic? How can I be a witness for Christ in the midst of grief, losing a loved one? How can I be a a witness and a servant of God when we're going through sad, sorrowful, and sick situations? We can't just whine day in and day out as if we're God. He's king, we're not. Sometimes you got to tell yourself it's a king thing and I ain't him (laughs) sometimes it's good to be reminded who you are ask some parents I remember my mom used to ask us as kids sometimes she'd say are you the parent she'd literally say that she would ask the kids are you the parent (laughs) I remember one time my dad almost jacked me up I'll never forget it. I was downstairs. My mom called me, David. And I was like, what? I'd never heard my dad come out of his study so quickly. He came out of his study, came down the hallway, stood at the top of the steps. He said, get up here. And I'll never forget, he said to me, I I remember him about to jack me up. Like, because I talked to my mom sideways, he said to me in that moment, I don't know how old I was, maybe I was 15 or or 14 or something, but he said to me, that is my wife and you will not talk to her that way or I'm gonna, and he probably filled in the blank that I shouldn't, you know, 
repeat. But I'm going to tell you what, that was my chiropractic attitude adjustment. Because after that, I was like, yes, mom. You see, I had forgotten. Your parents remind you who you are. I just forgotten. She was my mommy. But guess what? He's trying to say, yeah, but she was my wife before she was your mama. And if she wasn't my wife, she wouldn't be your mama. So don't get it twisted, son. That's my wife you're talking to. Wow. Well, that just shook me up a little bit. That let me know there needs to be a priority. And every now and then we get so up in ourselves. We need a chiropractic adjustment to our tone. We need a chiropractic adjustment to our mindset, to our behavior. And I remember I had to do this to, to one of my sons. I'm going to tell you what, he was about 16 years old. I got two boys, and I'll never forget me and my wife, uh, Amber, were sitting in the living room with him, uh, confronting him on some, some of his behavioral issues. He was mouthing off, told him to be quiet, and he was being disrespectful. His feet were up on the coffee table, and, and I told him to put his feet down, and he was slower about doing it. And, I, and, and it was just something that rose up in me. I'll never forget it. He was being so disrespectful to his mother. I stood up. I got in his face. I leaned over him and I told him if he kept being disrespectful in my house, I was going to knock his head off. I'm not going to say that there was any cursing in the house. And I won't tell you which one of the two boys it was, but it wasn't Isaiah. And what I'm saying is he, he needed an adjustment. And, and can I tell you something when when I, when I stood over him and I said that, it was as if something clicked in his brain. He had never seen this part of his military father before. He had never seen the husband of Amber taken up for Amber. He, he had saw her as mama, but he forgot it was my wife and that it was my house. You see, kids grow up thinking it's their house. Uh, it ain't your room. You, you just in it for a while. I can take the door off or, or you could leave. And, and so in that moment, there was a chiropractic adjustment. The same kind that my dad had to make with me, I had to make with him. And I think for the moment it may have scared him because my wife told me it scared her. But then later she said, but it was really kind of nice. Wow, I hadn't seen that part of you. And I thought, well, boy, if that's going to turn you, I should have did that when he was full. <laughs> but listen, no, seriously. <laughs> but it was amazing. My son needed an adjustment. My wife needed security. And she needed someone to say, I'm the king in this joint. I don't know if she really talks like that. But <laughs> bottom line is, just like my dad pulled up on me, I had to pull up on my boy. I said, little ninja, listen. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you what, that kid's respectful now. He's a good kid. I love him a lot. We talk almost every day. We play chess almost every day online. But every now and then, your kids need it. God's kids need it. This message is a chiropractic attitude adjustment for those of you who came through 2020. And you still mad at God. You still acting a fool. He said, okay, you can do that for a little bit. But don't lose your mind. Yeah, I can redeem. And yeah, I created you. But I'm the king. And sometimes it's just the king thing. He is the great I am. I mean, just listen to the context again. Can you walk with me through the scriptures here? Can you walk with me the same passage? 
I'm just going to take you through several verses. Check it out. Verse three, what does he say? I am the Lord. He's the great I am. Verse five, I am with you. It says, do not be afraid for I am with you. Verse 11, I am the Lord. Verse 12, I am God. It says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Verse 13, I am the ancient of days. Listen to what it says. Yes, and from ancient days, I am he. Verse 15, I am the Lord. Six or seven times he's saying, I am, I am. Why? Because God is the great I am. It doesn't just come from Isaiah. Do you remember where it originally comes from? It comes from Exodus chapter 3 in verses 14. Do you remember what happened? God says to Moses, Moses, I want you to go and set my people free. Pharaoh has got them under his, under his thumb. And I want, after all these years of slavery, I want you to set them free. And Moses is like, Lord, I don't know. And he gives all these excuses. But here's this one that tripped me out. Turn there. Uh, I told you to have your Bible out anyway. So go with me to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. I want you to hear what this says. Because in verse 14, God tells him he's a great I am. <laughs> you know, Moses is like, who am I, Lord? Who am I, who am I to go do this and to go do that? And, and then he says this in verse 14. Who should I tell him? Who should I tell him who sent Send to me, Lord. This is what it says. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you ought to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Hmm. I misunderstood this passage for so long. I used to think when Moses said, Lord, who should I tell him? Send me. I used to think God said, tell him I am that I am sent you. And guess who I thought? I thought he was talking about Pharaoh. Like, go tell Pharaoh that I am that I am sent you. But he didn't say that. Did you hear the passage? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. <laughs> I am has sent me to you. See, I thought God was telling Moses for so many years, tell Pharaoh that I am sent you and I'm going to send all these plagues. No, God told Moses to tell the people of, of Israel, tell the Israelites who I am. <laughs> you don't have to convince Pharaoh. You don't have to convince the devil. God ain't trying to convince Pharaoh who he is. Pharaoh already knows. God ain't trying to convince Satan who he is. Satan already knows. God's trying to convince his children of who he is so they will not be afraid. God is trying to convince his children of who he is so they can walk through a 2020 or through a 2021, or through a 2030. They can walk through politics. They can walk through racism. They can walk through a bad economy. They can walk in faith knowing that their God is the great I am. The same one in Egypt is the same one in America. The same one of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same God of today. And what he is telling Moses is, you go tell my people, the devil already knows me. <laughs> The enemy already is familiar with my powers as a sovereign. Satan already knows that I'm a way maker in the desert. He already knows that I can create pathways in the wilderness. Satan already knows that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. But do you know it? You get to verse 15, though. It just goes to another level. God also said to Moses, look at 315. And you say to the Israelites, Moses, the Lord, the God of your fathers, 
the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered. Here it is. You ready? From generation to generation. Wow. I told you there are three truths about God that you could hold on to and one promise. And here we begin to see the promise. He says in verse 15, Exodus 3, 15, by the, na- the name by which I am to be remembered. Here it is, from generation to generation. God promises to pour out his name and his power to the next generation. Now come back to Isaiah 43. Don't miss this as I'm, I'm coming to that one promise. I'm bringing you back now to a close, but I want you not to miss it. I, I don't want you to move right now. I, I think that this is about to blow your mind. Go back with me to Isaiah chapter 43. And now we're going to pick it up in verses 15 and following because you, you got you to gotta see this. God's, God's promise. You, you, you've got the three truths. But what about God's promise? Isaiah 43. And let's pick it up at verse 15. This is what it says. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your king. 16, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea. I want you to think now about the Israelites. Remember, they're set free from Pharaoh. They're now going toward the Red Sea. Behind them are Israel's army, uh, is, is Pharaoh's army. And they come up to that sea and God parts that sea and they go through it. And then everything else collapses on the ones that are chasing them. I want you to visualize it now. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again. Extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. That which is chasing you from 2020 will not catch you in 2021. God can close the sea just as quickly as he can open it, but it doesn't stop there. He says, verse 18, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Check it out. I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Verse 20 and 21, the wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed. There it is for myself. He formed you for him. Keep going. That they may proclaim my praise. Did you get it? Did you get it? It says, look, I made a way through the sea. I made a pathway in the waters. I forget the former things from the past. I'm doing a new thing. I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. But check it out, verse 20. The animals, they honor me. The wild animals, the jackals, they honor me. Verse 21. But I created you for me to proclaim my praise. The animals, verse 20, honor me. I created you to praise me. Did they do it? 22. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings, nor honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with the grain offerings, nor wearied you 
with demands for incense? You have not brought any fragrant calamus for me or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices? But you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offenses. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my sake, for my own sake, and remembers your sins no more. He's saying, verse 20, the animals honor me. In verse 21, but I created you to praise me. But have you done it? You're not bringing your offerings. You're not bringing anything that I've asked you to bring. You're not sacrificing anything, oh, Jacob. You have not called upon me. You've not wearied yourselves calling out on me. You haven't brought me sheep for an offering. You haven't honored me with your sacrifices. I don't even burden you with grain offerings. I don't burden you wearing you with all these extra demands of other religions like incense and all of that. But you haven't even, verse 24, brought me any fragrant calamus for me. You have not lavished on me any of the fat portions. You have not done anything. I did all this for you. And then you go through a little bit of pain and all of a sudden you're mad at God for being God. You're not going to give him sacrifices. You're not going to go to church. You're not going to send anything online for other people to know the Lord that you are his witnesses. You're not going to do anything for him. He says, you won't sacrifice anything for me. You won't weary yourself for me, but you know what? You still weary me with your sins. You still coming to me asking for forgiveness, aren't you? You're still bowing and saying, God, please have mercy on me, aren't you? Now, if I was God, you'd be glad I'm not. I would have let you go a long time ago. You know, it's one of those things, I did all this for you, you don't do nothing for me, forget it, we're done. That's not how God works. But God also wants to convince him. He says, now you can make your case if you want to. And that's what he says. But, you know, he says, verse 26, review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. State the case for your innocence. Go ahead. He goes on to say in verse 27, your first father sinned, that's Adam. Your spokesman, your spokesman rebelled against me. So I will disgrace the dignitaries of your temple and I will consign Jacob to destruction and Israel to scorn. In other words, you can make your case if you want to, but y'all been sinning since Adam. (laughs) So my sense to be your redeemer, it's because I love you, because I created you. But don't lose your mind. I'm still the king. Now you're not bringing any sacrifices, but you know what? I'm still gonna forgive you And remember your sins no more, not for you, but for me. And then what he does is just absolutely astounding. And here's your one promise. I gave it to you in shadow before. Now I'm going to give it to you clearly. You step into chapter 44. And are you ready for this? Here's your one promise. Get ready. Here it is. In verse two, he says, this is what the Lord says. He made you and formed you in the womb and who will help you. Do not be afraid, old Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Here it is. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry land. Get ready for it. Here it comes. You ready? I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees trees 
by flowing streams. One will say, I belong to the Lord. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Still another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and will take the name Israel. Did you catch it? God is saying, this is what I promise to you. My promise is not just for to remember your sins no more. My promise is I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. God is saying that they will spring up like grass in a meadow in the future, like poplar trees with flowing streams. In other words, I'm not only going to bless you, I'm going to bless your next generation and your children's children. Three truths about God you could hold on to, but one promise that you can take to the bank. God is saying, I am the great I am who I was for your grandmother, I can be for your grandkids. I am the same God from generation to generation. And here is my promise. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. 2021 is the year where you proclaim the praise of God and hold on to the promise that what he poured into you, he can pour into your kids. And what he pours into your kids, he can pour into your grandkids. And he can bless you from generation to generation. But you got to hold on to 2021, not the year, the text. Remember verse 20 and verse 21? Verse 20, the wild animals honored me. Verse 21, I created you to proclaim my praise. You want a theme? Proclaim his praise. You want to know what to do in 2021? Proclaim his praise. And friends, that, that will be the message for this year. Praising God to be your redeemer. Praising God for being your creator. Praising God for being your king. And thanking God that that promise is yours, that he will pour out blessing to your offspring. And you may not see it, but one day they will spring up like the grass. They will rise up by flowing streams like the poplar trees. And what you pour into them now is the praise you have for God so that you can be his chosen witness, his chosen servant. And so your kids can have the blessing of a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a pastor, a church member, a leader, when they see you proclaim his praise as his witness and his servant, God is promising you that that child, that child's child, to the third and the fourth generations, the scriptures say, he will pour out his spirit. Are you ready to claim that promise in Jesus's name? And Lord, as we close out this message, and before we tell everybody what you're doing with regard to our future fitting, we just pray, oh God, that this word would go deep, that Bibles would be open, notes would be taken, that people will not just take this, this meal and try to digest it all at once. But Lord, a little bit at a time, might it sink deep into the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Together, everyone said, amen and amen. Well, what about our building? We're talking about from generation to generation, right? What we're doing at Bridgeway Community Church is not just for us. It's for generations to come. I've asked our 
Chief Operating Officer Frank Eastham to come on up and hang out with me for a minute because he's going to share about our, our campaign that we've been doing. Now, granted, it's only been like five or six weeks, uh, but we've been working on this, Frank, for, for a while here. Can you remind us of what we're actually doing at Bridgeway Community Church? Absolutely, Pastor, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Well, we are, we've been blessed by this building. Uh, for yes. over 15 years. In fact, this building brought us out of the tents, which you remember, yes. which is how we started at 9189 Red Branch That's Road right. into tents. Yeah. So we're in the middle of COVID. And in the lobby too, right? That's remember right. that? Well, you were here. Months. Yeah, we were, we, for the first services when we came inside, That's we were right. in the lobby. That's right. And it was beautiful. We thought it was wonderful because because <laughs> the wind wasn't blowing like it was exactly. outside. But, uh, but we, we really began to reflect on this building and, and the future. And we call it future fitting yeah. because we wanted to think about the future and how could we fit this building for the future. Yeah. So in August, we started bringing people together and we started uh, asking them, what do you want for our building? What do you want for our people? What do you want the experience to be like? Yeah. And we have been uh, just planning uh, for this renovation project. So this didn't really just kind of come off uh, out of the blue. We've been planning this. Absolutely, 100%. We've been, in fact, our, our CO, CFO, Tim Samuel, yeah. he has been saving money through his financial practices that he brought with him uh, when he came to Bridgeway. And that's allowed us to, to be in a position where we are today, where yeah. we could actually have some money in the bank yeah. that we had saved for HVAC systems and carpets and renovations <laughs> uh, so that when God uh, allowed right. us to have this opportunity uh, we, we were ready. We weren't starting from scratch. Okay, so we did it. We have two phases ahead of us for the next two years. The first phase is all that we're going to do on the inside. How much is that going to cost us? $2.5 million. Okay, and then the second, second phase, the outside and other things, things, it's going to cost us how much? $2.5 million. Okay, so that's a total of $5 million. But for phase one, we wanted to be, exa we wanted to be debt free. So you're saying that because of Tim... Samuel, because of our board, because of our stewardship of those who've been giving, as well as our staff and the way they spend money, we've been able to save $2 million. Absolutely. So that's why I announced uh, just about five or six weeks ago on Christmas Sunday, the 20th, we wanted people to give because we needed to raise $500,000. Some people even thought, you know, I don't know if that's a little bit too much, Pastor, whether we should do it or not. But ministry never stopped right. because we're we're doing this, right? That's absolutely right. We've, we've continued to give to our community through the community cupboard, through our Thanksgiving baskets, through our angel tree for kids. We've just been continuing to serve our community throughout uh, this entire time. Yeah. So it's not like we've said, okay, we're not going to give the missionaries anymore. We're not going to support uh, people that need food. No, we're still doing ministry, but yet because we had the money saved and because we're future fitting the building for the generations to come to enhance really our mission. We needed $500,000. And I know you and Tim have been counting uh, the dollars and I know they're still sort of coming in, but can you tell our people, did, did we get more than $100,000? Yes. Okay, good. Woo! All right, so at least we got more than $100,000. Did we get more than $200,000? Yes. Huh. All right, did we get more than $300,000? We did, Pastor. All right, good. Okay. Did we get more than... $400,000. We did. Okay. Woo, let me take a deep breath. So that means we were going for 500,000. You're telling me we got more than 400,000. So I'm going to ask you the big question. Did we get $500,000? Praise God, pastor. Yes, we reached our goal 
of $500,000. We reached our goal of $500,000, friends. That's worth taking a pause and just having a praise party because it was just a little about, about a month and a half ago. We asked you to pray and to give, and you did, and we got $500,000. No, wait a minute, Pastor. I'm not finished. Oh, please. We got more than $500,000. <laughs> we got more than $500,000. In fact, we got more than $525,000. Come on, baby. We got more than $550,000. Come on, baby. We got more than $575,000. We got over $600,000. That's what I'm talking about. And the crazy thing is, Woo. it's still coming in. We're still Woo. counting cash that's coming Come in the on, mail. Lord. We're still counting cash that's coming online. Come on. People in our church are still blessing us. Come on. So that we can focus Come on. on this place, this building. Come on. Yeah. The Redeemer, Amen. the Creator, the King, and He's promised from this generation to the next generation to the next generation over 600, maybe even 610 or 20,000. We're still, we're still right. counting it. But uh, Frank, uh, can I just pause? I know we're having fun here announcing this, but can I pause and just say thank you to you for operating the logistics, the staff, to make manage all of the vision that we've had for all these years. And thank Tim Samuel Amen. for his partnership with you and me to make sure that we're doing God's will. And then for the prayers and the leadership of our elders, our elders council of women, our staff and our clergy. Uh, on behalf of my office, thank you for what you do to support us. The blessing, the blessing is mine. And I know I speak for uh, Tim when I say that it is our blessing to serve God through uh, what we're able to do with you uh, at Bridgeway. So it's just a blessing. It's a blessing to be a part of this ministry. So we're gonna start this now then. You know, going. timing is perfect. People said, uh, one of the questions that came up is why now? Why yeah. would you possibly do this now? Guess what, the building is empty. Yeah, why not now, right? We can do everything at once right now. And so we're gonna begin uh, in a few short weeks. Uh, now that we have the $600,000 oh, $600, in, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can actually start breaking some walls down and uh, future fitting this campus wow. for the years to come. Well, by the time you come back, we hope that you see some of this future fitting at work and thank you for your giving. Don't stop now. Whatever is over, we're just going to push that into uh, doing more work for the kingdom. So get in on what God's up to. It doesn't matter whether it's $25 or whether it's two fifty dollars or 250000 Give and watch God bless you. He's blessing us, and I know he'll bless you. Speaking of blessings, would you say a prayer to cover this offering, to cover this season? And uh, this God who's the great I am, just let's give, let's proclaim his praise, friends, because he deserves it. Would you, would you close us in prayer? Absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank Thanks, you for these people that you have, you have brought to us at our church, Lord. We thank you for this, this opportunity and this blessing to serve them, Lord, and to help them understand what it means to have a walk with you, to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, Lord. Mm. We're just thankful for the people. And Lord, as COVID hit and we had to go online, we thank yes. you for our platforms. Yes. We thank you for Facebook and YouTube and the premier services that we yes, are able to, to, to display every single Sunday, Lord, so that we didn't miss a beat. We thank could, you, we could continuing, continue to bring the gospel yes. to our people, Lord, and even more people than what we had when we were meeting face-to-face, -face, wow. Lord. So we just, we thank you for our people. We thank you for our platforms, Lord. And we thank you for this place. 
Yes, Lord. And we thank you for what you are equipping us to do to future fit this building for the next 15 and 20 years, Lord, so that we can have a place that people can come and they can feel safe and they can gather and connect with one another and have real conversations about what yes. it means to be a follower of Christ. Yes, Lord. We thank you for the congregation and the gifts that you have yes, just allowed them, them to Lord. give, Lord, sacrificially. We know yes, whether Lord. it was a $2 yes. or the $200 yes. that came in, Lord, or the 2000 yes, We know uh, that it was coming from a place of love, and we are just so thankful thank for you, that. And so, Lord, we, we just uh, thank you for the, for the honor and blessing of serving you yes, each Lord. and every Sunday here and throughout the week. It is in your Son's name Jesus that we pray. Name. Amen. Amen and amen.